We ought not to be promoting a godless agenda, but based on truth and righteousness, not based on race and culture. Dr. Tony Evans says if we want to support God's agenda, we need to see one another through His eyes. You are simply a sinner saved by grace, no matter what color you are. One new man. This is The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans, author, speaker, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, and president of The Urban Alternative. Perfect strangers can turn into good friends when they have shared interests and common ground. Dr. Evans says the church should be an example of that as believers view one another through God's eyes, placing our shared purpose above any cultural and racial differences that may exist. Let's join him in chapter 2 of Ephesians as he explains. Verse 11 and 12 talks about two kinds of separation that existed in the church that Paul wants to address. One, the social separation as seen in the words uncircumcision and circumcision. He calls them Gentiles in the flesh. That is, as people look at other people, this is who you are. It would be like calling somebody black or white or Hispanic or Asian. That is according to the flesh. As men recognize differences, that's who you were. And he says that was an unenviable position to be in because Gentiles were scorned by Jews. They were viewed as unclean. A Jew, in order to bypass not even having to come in that same neighborhood of a Gentile, would go miles out of his way to bypass Gentile territory like Samaria. But the point here is that they were separated socially, but that was really because they were separated spiritually. Please notice the the lines here that we are given in verse 12. They were separated from Christ. In other words, they had no hope of a Messiah. Not only that, but they had no hope, so they were hopeless, he says. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 4 says that we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. And do you know the Gentiles had no hope? They had no hope. They didn't know what to look forward to. No clear perspective on eternity. Let me tell you something about hope. Hope depends on a promise you can look forward to. And hope depends on the fact that the promiser can pull off the promise. That is why Christians have hope. Because not only do we have the promises of Scripture, they're backed up by somebody big enough to pull it off. Why do we have hope that when you close your eyes in death, you really aren't dead and that you enter into the presence of God? We don't have medical evidence for it. We can't take you to a doctor who can show you a soul leaving a body. I'll tell you why we have hope. We have hope because, one, God said it, so we have the promise But we have another hope, and that is God is big enough not only to do it, but has done it. All right? So that's why we have hope. Hope means a promise backed up by a person who can pull off the promise. So they didn't have a promise, the covenant, nor did they have anybody big enough to pull off the promise. Why? Because finally, he says, regarding separation, they were not only hopeless, they were godless. They had no God. They had, they could appeal to no divine being. Now they had idols. They had plenty of idols according to Acts chapter 17. That's what Paul came in and he told them about the unknown God, the one God that they didn't have, which was the true God who made heaven and earth. Now this separation led to the need for reconciliation. 
And this is where our Savior comes in. But now, verse 13 says, in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly afar off have been brought near by the death or by the blood of Jesus Christ, referring to his sacrificial death. Now, let me tell you why you have disharmony between races, between couples, between friends, between anybody. The reason why you have separation always is related to sin. Why? Because sin is driven by selfishness. Now notice verse 14. He himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. Notice what he says in verse 17. He came and preached peace. He came and preached peace. What he is saying is that Jesus Christ brought harmony or the basis for harmony where there was division. Now, this is very important what I'm getting ready to get into now because what Jesus came to do was erect harmony where there was hostility. Hold your Bible here and look at Galatians 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male or female, for you are all one in what? Now, is he saying there's no such thing as a man, no such thing as a woman? No. What he is saying is those human distinctions in the family of God are irrelevant in terms of spiritual relationship, spiritual development. A white man has no advantage over a black man. A woman has no advantage over a male, vice versa. Uh, an employer has no advantage over an employee. That when you come into the family of God, you come on equal terms before God. Yes, there are recognitions among men, but they are never to be used to overrule somebody's status with God. You cannot say that because of who you were or are or the money you have that you somehow are uh, a privileged kid. You are simply a sinner saved by grace no matter what color you are. One new man. As a man one day, he's a bus driver and the kids didn't get along. These were uh, in Australia, uh, the dark-skinned people and, and then, and then the, the, the white kids and, and they were having some tensions and and so the kids got on the bus, and he was, he was trying to work them through this. He said, now, when the, when the white kids got on, he said, now, what color are you? They said, well, we're white. He said, not on my bus you are. Whenever you get on this bus, you're green. What color are you? They said, well, 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 well green. Right. You, you, you are only green on this bus. Then he went by and picked up some black kids. What color are you? Well, we black. No, you're not on this bus, you're not. This bus, you green. Whenever you come on this bus, you green. Every day, it asked them, what color are you? Until they got used to saying green. Okay? See, because all, all day long, all week long, they were hearing black, white, black, white, black, white, black, white. Now, the bus driver was coming along every day saying, green, green, you green, you green. What he was trying to do was change their view of their identity. And while in the world, some are black and some are white. Why in the world some are red and some are yellow? Because that's how men recognize other men by the flesh. In this one new man, as far as God is concerned, we all red, bathed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We are all the same color, so to speak. That's why James 2 says, how dare you 
give a good seat to the rich man and a bad seat to the poor man. He says, don't you know that this is the body of Christ and there is no partiality with God? That is an unacceptable way of living. And yet, we're still having racial battles, cultural battles, and class battles. And that's because we want to be in the flesh and not in the spirit. Because if we were in the spirit, we'd understand we're talking about one new man. This is a brand new thing. And that's why no church can ever exclude somebody because of the color of their skin, the amount of money they were, they, they have, the side of town that they grew up on. None of those fleshly criteria can ever be a standard for the family of God. And until we recognize that, we will not be able to heal the wounds that have pained us for so long. Not only was the wall torn down, but the Bible says when Jesus died, the veil in the temple was rent. Now, you know what the veil was? The veil is what kept you from going into the holiest of all, which was where God's glory was. So, there was a wall to keep you from hooking up with other folk, and there was a veil to keep you from hooking up with God. When Jesus died, he saw two problems, not one. You can now relate to God, and you can now relate to one another through God. He saw two problems. You can now go walk right into God. You try walking into God in the temple. They'll have to drag you out. Let me tell you what they did. They would put a, they would put a rope around the priest put a rope around the priest, and when the priest went in there once a year to, to, to offer the Day of Atonement, they held this rope, and the rope had a little bell on it. Ting-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. Because if he did something wrong back there, you weren't going in to get him. That's number one. You'd have to drag that buzzard up out of there. Because if the priest did something wrong in, in front of the glory of God, then, then he'd be struck dead on the spot. So you put a rope on there so you could drag him back out of there. Okay? You just didn't prance on up into God's presence. But guess what you and I did tonight? We walked right up into God's presence. Just walked right up in there. You know why? Because Jesus Christ has given us access. That's what verse 18 says, doesn't it? For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Through Christ. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. That's not magic words on the end of a prayer to make it sound good. That means the only reason this prayer is getting through is because he opened the door. One day a man was sad. He was sitting on a park bench. He's sitting down there and uh, really, really, really sad. And he was sitting right outside the White House. A little boy walked by and said, why, why are you so sad, sir? He said, I tried to get to see President Lincoln, but I can't. They won't let me through. And my brother is about to, to die. And only the presidential pardon can save him. He was very dejected. Little boy took him by the hand and said, Mr., would you walk with me? The man said yes, thought it was something that would distract him. The little boy walked up to the White House gate. And the man didn't say anything. The, 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 the sentinel there didn't say anything. Kept walking. Passed by three or four other guys guarding. Walked right inside the White House. Man, can't bleed this. Walked right inside the White House goes to the presidential office, undisturbed. President Lincoln looks up and says, yes, son, what can I do for you? Man tried to get it on his own, couldn't make it. But when he talked to the president's son, it made all the difference in the world. You try to go to a holy God on your own, you're not getting anywhere. He's too holy for that. 
That's why I want to get behind Jesus and say, let me grab your hand now. Now walk me up in here. Because Jesus Christ gains us access to the Father. That's what it means in verse 17. He came to preach peace. That is a new harmony. A new harmony. And Dr. Evans will tell us where that new harmony leads when he returns with more of our message in just a moment. First, though, if you're ready to see a new harmony take effect within our churches, we put together a special package of resources that can help you begin to make a real difference. It includes Tony's current six-part message series, Faith, Hope, Unity, a tribute to Black History Month, as well as his new book called A Survey of the Black Church in America. It's a fascinating and informative read where Dr. Evans explores the collective historical aspects of African-American churches in our country, but also shares eye-opening incidents he's personally experienced as a black believer from the time of the Civil Rights Movement to today. This book will help believers of all races recognize the Bible as our common ground, our guidebook linking all of us to eternal truth, unity, and understanding. Right now, and thanks for your contribution to help us keep Tony's teaching on this station, we'll send you this enlightening book as well as all the messages in the Faith, Hope, Unity series. Just drop by TonyEvans.org today to get the details. Or let one of our team members help you when you call 1-800-800-3222. Our resource center is open 24-7, so there's no need to wait. Again, 1-800-800-3222. I'll repeat our contact information for you after part two of today's message and this. This November, set your sails for spiritual renewal and spectacular adventure. Join Dr. Tony Evans on an exclusive cruise of the Mexican Riviera. You'll immerse yourself in Dr. Evans' sermons, explore coastal treasures, and renew your passion for the Word of God. From Cabo San Lucas to Puerto Vallarta, experience the ultimate voyage of faith and discovery. Don't miss the boat on this once-in-a-lifetime journey. Book your passage today at TonyEvans.org. Enjoy and experience That leads to the the third thing, unification. Unification. Let's look at it very quickly here. First of all, new citizens. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Now what's that? A foreigner, right? That's a foreigner. A stranger or an alien is a foreigner. You are no longer foreigners. Gentiles used to be foreigners even though they lived there to the Jewish world. You are not a foreigner. Anybody who joins our church, no matter what their background, is not a foreigner. No matter how few of their group that's here or how large their group that's here. If I walk into an Anglo church and I am spurned as I have been because of the color of my skin, that is to attack the death of Christ, because he didn't just come to gain us peace vertically, he came to grant us peace horizontally. Then why don't we have peace? Because we want to live in the flesh and not in the spirit. He says, you're no longer foreigners in the church. You're no longer those people, them. It is a we deal now. If you're committed to Christ and you're established in his family, not only that, But it's a new family. He says, fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. That speaks of, uh, citizens speaks of a new nation. First Peter 2.9 says we are a new nation. But here it speaks of a new family. He's bringing in intimacy now. That's a new relationship. 
1 Timothy 3.15 says that we are God's household. And then in 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, Paul tells Timothy to treat the older women like mothers, older men like fathers, the younger men like brothers, the younger women like sisters. Why do we call each other brother and sister? That's not, shouldn't just be a quaint term. That's because this is another family. This is another family. And let me tell you something. You are technically closer to your brother or sister in Christ who's a different race than your brother and sister in the flesh who are not Christians. Because your brother and sister in the flesh, if they don't become Christians, when they die, you will never see them again. Your brother and sister in the spirit who's of a different race, if they are Christians, you will be with forever. So when it comes to family, there is ultimately a new family, he says. He says, and it's God's household. How dare you ridicule another brother when you both have the same daddy? Final illustration is a building. Having been built, he uses a building motif. He says three things about the building. One, the building is on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What does that mean? Well, they were responsible for recording and proclaiming the word of God. See, the apostles and the prophets laid the biblical foundation for the church. So what he is saying is that the church is situated on Christ and his word. For Christ is the foundation, but their job was to take the truth of Christ and record it and communicate it. So uh, that's why 1 Timothy 3.15 says that the, that the church is the ground and pillar of the truth. It is the foundation of truth. That is, the word of God is the standard by which we measure our relationships. The word of God is the standard. Secondly, he's the cornerstone. Christ himself being the cornerstone. That's a picturesque word. Let me tell you what the cornerstone was. The cornerstone related to the architectural design of the building. And the cornerstone was the alignment stone by which the unity and symmetry of all the other stones would be measured. In other words, the cornerstone was so situated that in order for the building to be straight and be positioned right, all the other stones had to properly align themselves to the cornerstone. So Jesus is the alignment stone. We ought to all be in line with him. And if you out of line with him, I'm supposed to be out of line with you. And if I'm out of line with him, you're supposed to be out of line with me because we're all supposed to be in line with Jesus Christ. He is the leader. So we must be aligned to him. So he is the cornerstone. And then finally, we are the bricks in whom you are being built together. This gives the imagery of putting bricks in their proper place in order that there might be a properly built building. Now, what does this say? He uses the word temple. You know what the temple was? It was where God hung out. Old Testament tabernacle, the glory of God came in the tabernacle. They found a permanent place, glory of God came into the temple. Where is the glory of God hanging out today? The new temple, the church. Your body is the temple of God, but so collectively we represent the temple of God. And if we are unified as a body, that doesn't mean you agree or, or we agree about everything, but it means we're moving in the same direction. That's unity. Unity is the same direction. It doesn't mean you don't have disagreements and different personalities and different backgrounds, different histories, different classes, different cultures, different races, but they're all coming together in this one new man, pulling in this one new direction. Then guess what, what we will be? We will be the hangout of God. We will be where God's hangout was. That was his glory. That was where he hung out. And God is not hanging out in a lot of churches today. 
because they're using false criteria. Jesus is not the cornerstone. The apostles and the prophets, that is the word of God, is not the standard. And every brick is not fitting in. We got bricks that want to isolate themselves from the building yet hang around the neighborhood. Every brick has been positioned to fit in. Unity is what he's talking about. Moving in the same direction. Let me close with this passage. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God in Christ has not only been the reconciler, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You have a job to do, and that is to be a reconciler. You know, the problem is a lot of us are not reconcilers because we keep the divisions going. We keep mess going. He says, you are my ambassador and you are to be the reconciler. We ought to be the promoters of racial harmony, of class harmony. We ought to be the promoters of families staying together and not breaking up. We ought not to be promoting a godless agenda, but done based on truth and righteousness, not based on race and culture, because sometimes people are wrong and they do need to change. But the standard is we must promote reconciliation. And God has given this preacher the ministry of reconciliation based on the word of God. So my job is not to please everybody, and my job is not to be so black that I stop being biblical. And I'm going to say that, having said I'm proud of what God has made me. He knew what he was doing when he made me, and I don't want to be anything other than what he made me. But whenever I get so proud that Jesus and the cross have to adjust to me, now I didn't develop the Theo ego. I got a God complex. I must adjust to the cross, and so must you. When we adjust to the cross, we'll be God's new hangout. And he'll feel at home with us because we're doing his thing, not our thing. Then you'll see some answered prayer. You'll see some powerful presence. You'll see some supernatural activity. Why? Because he can trust us with what cost him his son, his life. And that is reconciliation up and reconciliation out. That's heaven's new community. That is the church. Dr. Tony Evans talking about the incredible power unity produces. And he'll come back in a moment to wrap up our program with a closing prayer of reconciliation. So be sure to stay with us. In the meantime, don't forget to request your copy of Tony's current six-part teaching series, Faith, Hope, Unity. This is the final message in the series. And the last day, we'll be packaging all the audio lessons from this collection together with his informative new book, A Survey of the Black Church in America. This package is offered to you as our way of saying thanks for your contribution toward the support of this ministry. Contact us right away at 1-800-800-3222. Members of our resource team are standing by to help you. Or visit TonyEvans.org, where you can make the arrangements online. And while you're there, take a moment to sign up for Tony's free email devotional. That's TonyEvans.org or by phone at 1-800-800-3222. When we're stuck in difficult circumstances, we'll often call on God to help us out. 
But Dr. Evans says, even when the storms of life are getting worse, we may be right where God wants us. Join us Monday as he kicks off a series called Let Go, Let God. Right now, though, he's back to wrap up today's program with a word of prayer. Dr. Evans? Dear Lord, may the reconciliation that you paid for on the cross that brings us into right relationship with God also transfer to bring us in right relationship to one another. We cry out to you to make us one so that your glory may be manifested. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And as you seek to develop those right relationships with one another, always be looking for opportunities to show each other kindness for the benefit of our churches, our communities, and the glory of God. The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans is brought to you by The Urban Alternative and is made possible by the generous contributions of listeners like you. 